Oh gosh, I think pole vaulting has taught me like every lesson that I've probably learned in my life for the most part. Um, I mean, in one way or another, it's like I've learned first and foremost how to apply myself completely to something and um, get something out of it. I think that's that's kind of the obviously the first thing is just um, how to how to follow my my dreams and my passions and and leave nothing on the table. We're here with uh, episode four of the One More Jump podcast. We've got a special guest for you guys today, and I'm going to try to do my best with some of these statistics. If I get them wrong, we'll correct them after the fact. Um, this special guest, if you can't see him, um, if you're not watching the, uh, the YouTube channel, is a graduate of Indiana University with a collegiate PR of 5.50 meters in the pole vault. He is a Big Ten champion. He is a four-time Division I All-American. He's a 14-time USATF National Championships qualifier. That's insane. Mm, 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 um, mm, 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 mm. 2016 Olympic trials finalist. He's got Woo. an all-time pole vault PR of five meters, 5.68 meters. He's still actively pole vaulting. He's a family man, a dad, a coach of the vertical jumps, horizontal jumps, jumps at um, University of Northern Iowa, and he hails from San Diego, California. We've got our guest, Jeff Coover. Wait for it. Hey, baby, the Coover dog. Do people call you the Coover dog? Uh, yeah, actually, probably there are some people that, that do call me that. I uh, thought I was making that up. No, I think I don't think you're first. I don't think you're first at that party. Uh, I, 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 no, like I thought, like I was like, okay, I swear somebody, I've heard somebody call him Coove Dog before. But then I was like, maybe I'm just making that up because it just sounds cool. But I so you're saying it, that? I think pretty much everybody calls me Coover, Coover, Coove or Coover, mostly Coove, and then they'll put whatever they want on the end, Coove Man, Coove Dog, Coove Baby, whatever. You know, so I didn't know if we were at awesome. the point where I could call you Coove. Like, I feel like that's next. Oh, you're there. That's next <laughs> we're, we're all good. There. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Andy Actually, Winder is it, scary game. All for you boys. That's good. That's good. I remember, <laughs> I guess, to kick this off with a, a funny story, you and Jake had competed, you know, on and off for a while for, I don't know, maybe like a decade or so. And I remember one day I messaged you on Facebook when Facebook was still – I guess the bee's knees for, uh, for all modes of communication. And I just said, uh, Hey, Jeff, Josh Winder here. Um, I just thought I'd let you know that, you know, I like pole vaulting and I like fender telecasters. <laughs> and then you were like, I love those things too. And that was, that was the start of the relationship with, uh, with at least Josh Winder and Jeff Coover. But Jake, I'm curious. Um, didn't, and Jeff, like, didn't you guys have a history of competing back in, was it high school? Not you high school. A, well, yeah. yeah, we did. You have a crazy junior. memory, though. I don't remember. Did you jump at that Junior USAs in like, oh, 
05 or six. 06? Or, yeah, because you jumped, you were talking, we were talking the other day and you said that you had jumped 16-6. This is crazy, Josh. He went from, tell me if I'm wrong, went from 14-6 as a junior yep. to 16-6 as a senior in high yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So it was, yeah, our senior year, 06. Yeah, so 06 um, in Indianapolis. Yeah. Is that where it was? Um, yep. I was at, at what? I was at that one, Indiana State, or what? What was the? It was. No, was you're talking point. about IUPUI. No, this was at it's this this was at IUPUI that I'm talking about in 06. Okay. So I actually competed in 05 also at juniors. That was actually my senior year of high school, and that oh. was goal at Home Depot Center, Carson, in, Carson, in California. I was there too. Okay, cool. Yeah, so our story goes back. Uh, 15 years. Yeah, wow. it was like me, you, um, Scott Roth, um, Scott Roth, Scott Finley, Dustin DeLeo, Mitch Greeley. Um, gosh, probably was Jordan, Jordan Scott. Scott. Jordan yeah. Scott. Yeah. Um, God, probably others. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was uh, man long. Time that was ago. fun though, man. That was the first time I, I remember. Like one thing stands out to me. I think I made one bar that day. The opening high was fifteen six, which to me at that time I was like, dude, fifteen six. Like I was a high school, I was a junior at that time, and I was like, dang, this is legit. I just want to make fifteen six, you know. And <laughs> so I went. I remember making that bar and being like, all right, this is. I'm happy I made that. But then the second thing it was my first time in Cali, and. I saw the record store that Snoop Dogg filmed that music video on like, um, I forget what song it was, but he filmed a music video on the, on top of this record store. And I was driving past like, dude, that's crazy. I was, <laughs> if know. Jake accomplished anything on that USATF <laughs> trip, it was like, Hey, I, I'm, I may have vaulted 15, six, or even if I know how did, I, I still got to see that place where Snoop Dogg's record was recorded. Yeah, I love that. How is my, my name was a little different that time. I, I stayed my, my friend's, my friend's mom had a place in, in like, uh, like, uh, I don't remember where in LA, not in Glendale, but in Pasadena or something. And, um, so we stayed there the night before the meet and she undercooked some chicken and we both got food poisoning. Oh, so I was pole vaulting the next day and he was high jumping. He got it worse than I did, but we were both up all night. And I mean, it was crazy, but I jumped, uh, I, I, think I, I, I was the same as you where 15, six was like high. And I think what saved me was that we had to start high. And I, I think I made two bars. So I think I made 475 and 490 and then went out at five meters or 505. And, uh, but that was good meat for yeah. me at the time. And I remember being on so my you, small so poles. You beat me. I had like, did I? Yeah, I made two so bars. I remember because so I, I was trying to. Yeah, <laughs> that's what you're trying to say. Is that There's you, gonna uh, be some back and forth between Jake Cooper and some of this, I think. <laughs> Dude, there Cooper, I, he d straight up, man. Like he, like him and I, we were we were like, I don't know, somewhat in the same realm for a little bit. But then there was just a point. You and I, Jeff, you and I were talking about this the other day, like where you just kind of crossed over a barrier like a th there's like a threshold in elite pole vaulting where it's like if you cross over that threshold then you get to go to like a new level of elite pole vaulting and i never really got to that threshold the, the closest i ever came was that year in 2013 at us indoors where 
I got second and I jumped 55 uh, and you and I both, I didn't know this, but you and I both PR'd like a, a post-collegiate PR or no, no, all-time PR. It was our first time, time since PR, college. Yeah. And we had been training for like two or three years after college. So we both PR'd on that day. And anyway, so I, I got to that level, but then I don't know, it just seemed like you continued to, you know, just kind of progress. And I don't know what I would attribute that to, because like, I know, I know there was some lifestyle things like in my life that happened, you know, I got, I got married. Um, and then we bought a house and in order to do that, you gotta, you know, have a job and I started teaching and, and I think that that's not, there's no excuse, but I think that that kind of, you know, I don't know, it was, it was weird. Like it was like a, a crossroads in my life. And then you continue to go on and, and do really well. And I, uh, and now listen to this, Josh, he has a dad PR of five meters, 52. That's Dude, he jumped five fifty as a dad. That's as a dad man. and a 30 year old. So those are like, you were 32. I'm 32 now. Yeah. So I was 31 when I jumped 51 and then I jumped yeah and then yeah that's or 52 sorry Goodness. and uh, 31 and yeah so dude that that 550 plus bar is insane and what whenever i think of like jeff coover i think of like you just like busting it in your freaking garage or whatever the heck that space is where you've always got like like a minimum of like what looks like 300 plus pounds on and you're just doing these step ups these squats these deep squats and i'm like I can't even get out of bed sometimes to go run a couple miles. And this guy's got 300 plus pounds on his back and then a baby. If it, helps, life. If it helps you at all, I couldn't get out of bed and run a few miles either. So. <laughs> I guess it's two different sports. I think that segues yeah. a good question though. Like we got so many questions and I want to kind of use these to help facilitate this thing because like some of these were even better than, than what, Jake and I could come up with. We're not the most clever people in the world, um, but these people on Instagram are. And one one question that sticks out to me that um, I don't know if I'm gonna keep naming all the people that put these up because I'm gonna get all these these tags uh-huh. wrong. But one person said, "You have a lot of pro athlete friends. What sets you and them apart from the other crowd?" Well, that's a good, that's a good question. Um, that's a really good question. It's hard to quantify, but, um, I mean, I get, I guess the, the one thing that I will say that I can attribute to most of the people, um, in my life that I've looked up to, uh, you know, athletically, um, and the people I look up to the most in the athletic world aren't always the ones that have achieved the most, but um, the people that I look up to and that I, that I think bring something to the table that everybody can learn from are the ones that um, have found the thing that they love to do the most and just go do that. And, and, and that, you know, isn't to say that, that the person that has the capability, I always look at it a little different than everybody else. Like I have the capability for some reason, like I love training and I love lifting and sprinting and jumping in practice and by myself I've trained by myself for eight years or something so um I think that that the people that I have um looked up to and that I'm friends with 
that are professionals um, in whatever they do uh, are the ones that have the ability to, to go out there and um, apply themselves to what they love every day and um, kind of never back down. And that's why I think, you know, the guys that we have in the pole, specifically in the pole vault world, um, I'll, I'll name some others. I, I'm, I'm, I was at one point and I'm still kind of friendly with um, a girl named Lindsay Vaughn, who was a, a downhill skier. We were at the Olympic training center at the same time. And when, when she was at the Olympic training center doing her off season training, we were sort of in season and um, she, um, she was friendly toward me and, and I got to pick her brain a little bit and watch her train a lot. And that, I think is the most dedicated athlete I've ever been around in my life. That's that, that Lindsay is, is uh, the hardest working, I think the hardest working person um, definitely in, in, in the sports world that I've ever personally been around. And um, I think that's what attribute, you know, that's what, what she could attribute to her long-term success as, you know, probably the greatest men's or women's downhill skier of all time. She just has this, she had this ability, you know, we, I'd go to breakfast at the Olympic training center at seven 30 and she'd roll in after a two hour session. And, and then wow. she'd be like, all right, you know, afternoon session, we're going to play tennis for an hour. And then after that, we're going to go lift. And it's just like, it was crazy. So, um, but I don't think that the, the, the thing that I think that I'm trying to get at is that I don't think that those people are forcing themselves to do it. I've never felt like I'm making myself do it. I've never felt like I'm, I have to go to the track. I have to go lift weights. It's like, it's what I love to do. It's what I enjoy. It's what, what I, you know, want to do with my little bit of free time. And I think that Lindsay was the same way. I think that um, the guys that we have right now and specifically in the pole world are, are, are totally like that. I mean, you, you know, Renault is the one that, that probably is the most accessible to me. Um, and I can tell you for certain, and I have stories about this, but if there's an open pit and Renault doesn't have anything to do for two hours, he wants to go pole vault. Like it's, it's just, it's just what he wants to do. I mean, that guy bothered me every, every year that he came to Reno, he was bothering me on Saturday. He'd be like, let's go find an open pit here in Reno and, and go pull ball. And I'm just like, dude, what is wrong with you, man? Like you took 20 jumps last night and you jumped 590. And then today at 11 AM, you want to go pull ball. I'm like, this is crazy. So that's just um, like that's just like Luke. Luke is the same way. Jake and I know that for sure because we were the ones who were watching it. We'd run these pole vault camps in Naperville, Illinois, and Luke would be you know six, seven, eight years old, and he'd be setting up hurdles on the pit with bungees and crossbars on the pit we're not using, and he'd just take hundreds of vaults as a little kid, and then still to this day, he's Jake's got his rise facility, and that seems like Luke's just constantly there because he's just he's always over there he just loves always to yeah, I think, like, hey, i want to go i think that's what it's all about and i don't think that you can force it i don't think you can make it that's what i'm kind of trying to say is like it's not like it's not like any of these people are you know um just better at like waking up and being like screw it like i don't want to but i'm gonna do it you know it's yep. just that they've they're they found the thing they're passionate about and they're and they're um, exhausting all options to, uh, to do it as much as possible. And I, I think for, for me, like, you know, pole vaulting is definitely there um, on that list, but it's just training and improvement. And, and that's why, you know, I've, I've found sort of my niche and just in training really hard, like you said, just spending time in my little sanctuary in my garage and, <laughs> yeah. you know, learning how to sprint faster and all that, that sort of stuff. I think that's kind of been, where I've found a little bit of an advantage um, and 
that's what I love. And I just try not to let too much get in the way of that. And, um, you know, it's, 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 yeah pretty easy to me i mean obviously it's different now with i'm married i have a, a seventh month seven month old baby so I, I i give myself one hour every day um and that's my hour to to do whatever so um sometimes that hour you know on rest days is just spent you know just hanging out with family which i'm pretty much doing all, we're all doing all the time <laughs> right now but right. um but but it used to be you know back in back in 2013, 14, 15, 16, 17, those, those sessions were longer and, and more involved and all that. And now I've kind of found a way to really boil it down. And actually I, I'm crazy about keeping data. Am I way off topic? I'm way off topic. No, no dude, you're, 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 you're fine, man. I, you know, one thing that I would want to interject though, is like the question what like they we were talking about, they asked, why do you have so many friends like you? So do you think people see that in you? Like, like, you know how you're, you were talking about that skier and you were like, um, and I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not familiar with her. I, Which I'm by the way, she's a Minnesota, she's like the face of Minnesota. Minnesota. So, you know, she's the, she's Burnsville, I feel, um, yeah. Minnesota. Yeah. Anyways, go for it. I apologize to her. I, I should follow sports <laughs> a lot better. I'm a PE teacher and I don't follow sports, man. <laughs> no, that's so okay. Anyway. Was it? She, the only thing that's important is she's the best ever. And, um, anyway, go, go on. Yeah. So she's, she's the best ever. And you saw that like she, you know, so, so she obviously expressed like that she, you know, was interested in what you do and things like that. So she might, so, so do you think people see that in you too? Like that, that drive and that that's why maybe people are attracted to you. Like, cause they, they were talking about, you know, you have a lot of friends and you're very, very well connected. Mm -hmm. And for me personally, from an outside perspective, I see two things causing that for on your end. I see number one, I see a drive and a passion and people can, people who have that same drive and passion can relate to it. So they want to be around you. But then number two is you're nice and you're kind and you are easy to talk to. And, and so I, you know, those are from my perspective. So do you think that people see that in you too, and they can relate to it? Maybe. I mean, that might be the case. I think, I think, you know, obviously like-minded people sort of um, are more likely to become friends with one another. And um, that, that might be the case. I, I guess I can't really extrapolate that, but I mean, I always thought that like I became, you know, somewhat well-connected with a lot of, a lot of people, you know, a, a lot higher than me on the you know scale of elite athlete or whatever because I anytime I get around somebody like that I I just want to learn so I in, in any sport in in anything I just want to learn what they're doing and what's setting them apart how they're thinking what they're motivated by and maybe the fact that I'm easy to talk to and I'm kind and that I'm also an athlete helps but it's mostly like I just bug the heck out of Renault and <laughs> and all these guys and, and 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 you know whoever I could find at the Olympic Training Center um, for sure in in whatever sport or whatever event on track and field I I spent a lot of time when I was there around a guy named Andreas Torkeldsen who was a, a javelin thrower um, at the time you know probably the second best javelin thrower of all time 
and just tried to soak in everything I could find from him. And Brad Walker was training there and I, I was like living in his house, even though I was living on campus, I was just, I would, I was bugging the heck out of him being like, Hey, I'm bringing over dinner. Like, let's just sit and talk about training and pole vault in life or whatever. And I, and I right. learned, learned so much that way, you know, I think it was just, I think it's just that I'm, I really genuinely feel like everybody in the world has something they can teach me. And, um, elite, super elite athletes happen to have a lot that they can teach me about things that I'm incredibly interested in and that, you know, make me a better athlete and a better coach. So, um, how, how much of that, um, teaching and that knowledge you're trying to gain is outside of like physical movement and exercise. Cause I think you have like a tried and true approach to training and I absolutely love it. I love that you just like go ham on your freaking sprints on your weights you grip high on big sticks, vault high, like that, that's so awesome. But like whenever you go and you sit with Renault or Brad Walker or, or Lindsey Vaughn or any of these athletes, are you trying to pick at, cause you can't necessarily contradict what has worked for you and got you over to, you know, an 18, seven bar. Like, are you picking up on mental cues? Are you picking up on nutrition? What kind of things are you trying to pick up on? Yeah, no, for sure. Def- all of it. I mean, Brad taught me crazy amounts about nutrition. Um, and, and, and he's a, he's, you know, if he would have d- chosen that path, he would have been a great sports psychologist. He's doing, uh, he's in chiropractic school now, but, um, yeah, no, everything, all of it for sure. I mean, with Lindsay, it was like when I had time to, to talk to her and, and, and really be, um, really be in her, in her head, I was just trying to get mental, mental cues and, and, you know, and that, I guess I would say that that's one thing that I've noticed with the best, the best athletes in the world is that they all have a real belief, um, that they're better than everybody else. (laughs) I don't know if that sounds silly or something, but it's it's not like, it's not like, um, like I, I talked to, I, I hate to, I feel like I keep like name dropping Lindsey Vaughn right now because we, we really were only, <laughs> I, I really learned a lot. Maybe, really, maybe I'm you could be our really to, to get her on here. She's a savage, man. She's insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but the thing that I learned from her was, she, and she told me this one time, and I don't think that she would even remember talking about it, not that she's, yeah, but um, was that you know, there were times in her career where she's coming back off injury or, or whatever, and she would get in the gate. And, and before that, before she got in the gate, she kind of had a plan with her team to, okay, like if I do this, this, and this, like I can be on the podium. That's pretty good. Like then we'll go to the next thing and we'll just kind of steamroll. And then she said, but then when I get in the gate, I just, I, I just realize, oh, I'm better than everybody else at this. Like mm. I'm better than, I'm better than everybody else. Feeling. So, so so here we go you know and i think that that's a good feeling right there i think that's how mondo feels right now and i think that's you know that's how bolt felt when i mean yeah so i think that's that's, something that's something though like you you really can't you really can't fake that though you know like like no matter how hard i try I, 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 I can't fake that feeling, you know, you know, but there are things I would, I would say that there are things in everyone's life. There's something that you can feel that way about. Like for me, like, and I am not trying to toot my own horn at all because I don't need to be doing that. There's not (laughs) a lot to toot it about, (laughs) But, but, but I, I would say 
I would almost go so far to say that I almost feel like I'm in that zone and in that area of my brain where I'm like, I feel like I'm good at this whenever I'm coaching the kids at my club. Like I feel like there's like a deep, there's like a deep sensation of like, whoa, that really, that, that adjustment I just made really made a difference. And then like, you just start to be like, I feel like I'm, I feel like I might be pretty good at this. Like, and, and you, and then that, that ball starts to roll and roll and roll. So, you know, some people that, that feeling comes from, you know, downhill skiing or running the hundred meters, like you saying, and, or, you know, jumping 22 feet in the air, <laughs> like Mondo, you know? like, <laughs> but, but, but like other people, like, like I feel there is that space for everyone and it doesn't have to be athletics. It can be in whatever. And, and for a long time in my pole vaulting career, and I'm going to be just a little bit vulnerable here. I really tried to convince myself that I, that I knew that I was going to make it to that next level. I I know I can make it to the, uh, you know, on a U.S. team. I know I can do it. And I tried really hard to convince myself of that deep belief. I really tried, (laughs) but it just wasn't really there. If I really sat down and I thought about it and I was honest with myself, I would be like, you know, you know, you're good. You're pretty good at this, you know, but it's just, I don't have that deep rooted belief like you're Mm. talking about. But the cool thing is, is if you stay in the game and you keep moving forward in life, you will find that area that you do feel like that. And once you do, like for a long time, I felt very almost depressed after I was done pole vaulting. Cause I was like, dude, I had this goal. I had this goal. I had this goal. And I just didn't accomplish anything, you know? And I was like, dude, you know, looking back on it, that's so silly, you know, yeah. but now I've got this new thing and I'm like, Whoa, I don't even care about that anymore. You know, like, and it's like, whoa, that's cool that I was able to, you know, kind of forget that, that kind of let down from my pole vaulting career and, and invest a lot of that, you know, energy and time into something that I really do believe that I could be really, you know, good at. So anyway, I want to segue along explanation. No, that's fine. That's good. It segued into a question I had pulled up here. Really good one. Um, couple of repeat offenders here. Somebody who just like fired off a bunch of really, really good questions and she happens to be an Olympian. Um, yeah, that's Kelsey. We can say that. that <laughs> so yeah, no wonder why all these questions are, are really great. There are also some other ones that will segue into, um, you know, about your life and stuff, but tell us about the pain cave. Um, did it, did it serve you well, you know, talk about a a low point in your career or something where it's like, eh, this is that shaky moment where I didn't know if I might continue on. Yeah. So there's, there's two things here. I'm that's a two, it's a two part answer. One is that I'll answer her real question. And two is that I will answer what you just said. So the pain cave is actually something that we, would refer to in college when we would do really, really, really hard workouts. And um, basically, in my mind now, the way that I train and the way that I train our kids, like we would kind of never really do the stuff that we were doing in college. Um, we would do stuff like we would run like 
um, a 150 and then we do like a set of kettlebell exercises and then we do another 150 we called the or, or 200s actually we call them kettlebell 200s and or we would we'd run 150s and then do a bunch of med ball and a bunch of bounding and then run more more 150s and um you know it would it would be really 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 hard did you did you get all that i think i said yeah no 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 your audio is coming through fine no you're you're good your audio is still coming through yeah your audio is fine okay cool yeah so so we would be we would be just like hurting so bad and we'd say that we were in the pain cave we're deep dark in the pain cave just looking around in the cave and you just gotta you just gotta keep going down there and uh we sort of had that mentality kelsey and i went to college together in indiana and we sort of just embraced that and um we we, we fully bought into it and it was like all right time to go looking time to go looking through the pain cave turn your turn your headlight on like depths of pain yeah. cave yeah, so it kind of shaped our culture in a, in a buy-in perspective, um, in the way of, you know, if we're going to do this, we're going to freaking do this. And I think that's what stuck with me the most. Um, now that I don't really train that way anymore, um, I still kind of can can use some of those ideas of just buying and believing. Like, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to freaking go all the way down this this thing. Um, so yeah, that's that stuff still sticks with me today, and, and I love that mantra. And then. Also, I mean, definitely something I wanted to talk about is what you brought up, which is just difficult times in the sport. And I think that, um, you know, Jake and I both had um, sort of the same um, upswing out of the bottom of that, the bottom of that um, sort of cycle. Um, two years out of college, the two years, the, my first two years out of college were really, really hard. I was sort of training in Indiana and then spending some time in the summers and spring at the Olympic training center in, in San Diego also. And I just wasn't jumping well. I was jumping 530 and 535 and 540. Um, and it just, it just was no hiding a lot. And it was really, really hard time for me. And after 2012, um, I basically thought maybe I'm going to retire. Maybe I'm not. And um, that was, that was a really hard time for me for sure. Um, so we did a Europe trip in 2012 and it was really fun and everything. And I was kind of like, you know, maybe this is the end, maybe, you know, maybe this is the end of pole vaulting. This is, this is going really well. And, you know, it's, or isn't going really well, but I'm having fun on this trip. So maybe this should be the end. And then, um, came home and, and was just kind of like, like you said, Jake, when you retired, I was just kind of depressed. I was kind of just like, Oh man, like, I don't know, maybe I want to keep doing this. And so I called my buddy, Jacob Pauli, um, who lives here in Cedar Falls and asked him if I could move, move there, move here and train, um, cause he was newly retired and whether he would coach me and, and he said yes. And, and I moved here and that's kind of the beginning of when things got better for me. And then obviously that all culminated really that, that fall, I just kind of put my head down, went through, went into the pain cave for sure. Um, kind of put my head down and disappeared. People were like, Hey, you were like, cause I was, I, you know, Indiana's got all the bells and whistles. And then I was, I was training in at, at the training center too, which is obviously an amazing place to train. And then all of a sudden I kind of fell off the map and I went to Iowa and it was like, Hey man, like, what are you doing? And I was just that whole fall and winter. I was just kind of like, just, I'm doing my thing. Like, just leave me alone. Like, yep. give me some time. And I'm just, I'm just going to kind of try and, you know, whatever. And then it all culminated. I made the, I made the USA team or the USA meet, um, midway through indoor. And then I went there and, and, and jumped 555. And that was my first PR since 
for two years basically. And it was just kind of like an arrival moment. And like Jake said, that kind of opened, that kind of opened the door for me from that point forward. It was like, okay, I'm, if the conditions are good and, or the runway is good or whatever, like I'm going to jump ATP and then we're just going to kind of go from there. And that didn't always happen, but it, that was right. kind of where my mentality was at that point. And, and, and that's where it all kind of just got started, started getting a lot better for me. Do you think it was an initiative? Yeah, you, I, re- I remember that. From your end where you were in this dark time and you were like, you know, dark time is in, you know, deciding whether you wanted to continue to pole vault or not. Was it just like, you know what, I'm going to give this another shot here and I need to change. I need to flip the script. I need a complete breath of fresh air. Let's call up the, uh, the, the, the guitar playing, you know, Jacob Paul, I really, really insane vaulter, by the way, I guess explain was, was he somebody you had in mind that you knew could help carry you through that time? Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. That's exactly what it was. So it was either retire or do something completely different. And what I had been doing for the, the, the years prior, which, you know, have their merit and everything was, I was, I was learning from two guys mostly. Um, one was Brad, Brad Walker. And the other guy was a guy named Yu Kim, who was a, a Korean pole vaulter. And those guys are both incredible. Hey, pole vaulters. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, obviously Brad, Brad 604 and then, and then you jumped like 568 or something, had the Korean record and wasn't super fast or anything like that. He was just a really good pole vaulter. And they were all really trying to teach me to catch the ride and, and, and um, you know, get more out of my smaller poles and all this. And, and I just was having a really hard time with it. It was just not clicking for me. It was just something I'm not really very good at. It's just something I'm not super good at. Some people are really good at that part of it. Yu Kim had such an incredible feel. He was two, 210 pounds. He could jump, he could jump 18 feet on like a 14 which is like, oh. it's crazy, you know? So small pole, small pole, really heavy, but um, he, he could, uh, you know, I literally can't jump five meters on that pole and he can jump, he can jump like 550 plus. And, um, and I could just, just couldn't figure it out. So I decided to, to sort of flip it. And, and I went to work with Jacob who jumped, 19 feet weighing 200 pounds he jumped 19 feet on a 10.8 um which is the basically one of the biggest poles that anybody's ever planted before so um i kind of flipped flipped it around and, and went to jacob because i thought you know what this guy this guy can take the the strengths that i already have and teach me to be confident in them and to 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 basically strengthen my strengths and that's exactly what happened i mean that's 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 where we went we just went toward like okay you know throughout my career i've said this multiple times but throughout my career i always felt like if i put all my energy into right now i got two jumps to go to 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 get myself to a bigger pole to blow through this one and to get the next one in the pit i can probably do it and whatever the pole is whatever the pole is if i'm saying Okay, then in order to make the next bar, the only thing I you know need to do is to blow through this pole quick and then go to the next pole and get it to vertical. I'm probably gonna be capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we just kinda went we kinda went there. And that's 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 you know been that's been the focus for me ever since. I mean, ever since, like, you know, I, I've I've always kept in mind, you know, the the need to be a little bit more efficient on the pole. And I've definitely had phases in my career where I've I've been better. And I think I'm actually really pretty good right now with um you know, getting a little bit more out of the poles and all that. But I think Jacob and I just kind of figured out and, and he was good at teaching it because he was good at doing it. And he was, he was really good at doing it that, um, you know, being on big poles with big grips, it's a one, one way to, to make it happen. So like that day, that day in, in Albuquerque, um, where we both PR'd 
Jake. Um, I, I think I was on a 12 uh, a 510, 12 um, probably weighing 195, probably Jeez. holding, probably holding 16, 16, or something, which at 12 is like a 215, probably 210, 215. And then eventually my PR was actually on 11.4, which is like probably a 220. And I was probably holding 16.6. So it's like not that impressive of, push-off That's numbers crazy. but i was only running i was only i was only running nine and a quarter meters a second you know 9.2 meters per second but i could get an 11.4 to go in the pit so for me that in my world that's efficient you know it's efficient to turn not that much run runway speed into moving a really really big pole with with a high grip that's that's efficiency that's using your energy just the same as holding 16 feet or holding holding 15 six on a little you know soft pull and jumping really high that's efficient too so um, i love that right yeah i think i think you brought up a good point like you have to i think everybody needs to this is something good for everybody to hear and especially like young people in their career especially people who are post collegians who are trying to make it in like this you know elite vaulting world is you have to i think you have to find out what you're good at and you have to believe in that. Like if you, you can try all day to pole vault like somebody else and, and, you know, use their technique and, and, you know, try to lift as much weight as them and sprint as fast as them or whatever. But at the end of the day, man, you have to believe, I think the best vaulters in the world, the best athletes in the world just have that, that belief, like we were talking about earlier in what they do and like that was something that i struggled with because especially with social media now you go online and it's like you're scrolling through instagram and it's like oh dude that guy jumped this high and you know it's like a dagger in your heart it's like oh my gosh they they jumped this high and now now i gotta jump this high and and they did it on this pole so now i have to do it on this pole and it's like no dude if you look at the people who are the best in the world right now i mean they believe in the way that they do things like Sam. You think Sam thinks he needs to be on a 520? No, no. he doesn't need to be on a 520. He believes him and his dad, his dad was able to, I think it's his dad was able to instill that into him. Like, Hey man, this is what we're doing. This is how we're going to do it. And you either believe in it and go high or you can chase your tail and try to be somebody that you're not, you know? Yeah. And since he has that belief in himself, he's able to compete and be the last year's the best vaulter in the world on a pole that's a foot shorter than everybody else, you know, and a grip that's a foot shorter than everybody else. But it's because he believes in what he does, you know, and, mm -hmm. and his technique, you know, my technique, I didn't necessarily like it that much. Nobody but eventually I had, yeah, I had, I had to believe in it. And it's like, you know, I got these little things that I don't like. I used to split my leg really bad up top and I hated it. But eventually I'm like, okay, I'm, it's this late in my career. Am I really, if I fix that, is that really going to be the big difference? You know, it's probably not going to be the big difference, you know? So I think that's yeah. good for you. I think, and so did Jacob kind of, kind of instill that into you like hey man we're going back to what jeff coover's good at absolutely yeah for sure um that's yeah i think he like made me stop watching football video and and all sorts of stuff like that and um it was just kind of like um 
it was just back to, um, you know, getting me back to what I was capable of, of doing and, and, um, instilling in me the idea that if you do what you're capable of doing, you're going to jump pretty high. And, um, I think that using that method, we, we accomplished some pretty good things. And, and then, um, you know, uh, that kind of stuck with me, stuck with me for the rest of the time. And, um, he was the best guy to teach me it for sure. Or, or, or really he was the best guy to, 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 to remind me that like the way you do it is, is good enough to accomplish some good things. You just, you got to go all the that's way down. Awesome. You got to go all the way down that, that, that hole, you know? So. And that's a lesson that he taught you that, that, you know, you'll be able to hold on to that for the rest of your life and you'll be able to apply that to all different kinds of things, you know? And, and that's what I tell my athletes that I coach is, you know, these, these lessons that we're learning in pole vaulting, you know, all of a sudden they're going to pop up in your life later on down the road. And it's like, Oh, this is like the exact same thing that I dealt with, you know, during my athletic career. And now I can apply that to business or I can apply that to coaching or, or mm -hmm. sales, you know, or whatever you're doing. Yeah. And, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, it's an invaluable piece of advice that he gave you in my opinion. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I guess the, 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 the end result of that, since we're, we are eventually talking to pole vaulters is that I was able during, during those years and up till now, I was able to do some stuff that I can really hang my hat on from short run and from long run, as far as pushing poles, like, um, I'll just throw some numbers out. These are like, Let's these are like, these are like maybe this is like maybe the things that I'm, you know, possibly most proud of. Um, I, I think the things that I'll remember always in my career were things that happened here at Northern Iowa with nobody else around and on the South runway, just like going in, just going crazy pole vaulting, mm -hmm. trying to freaking get animalistic, you know, Jacob and I used to just scream and yell at each other. And just, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I can picture that. But like from four laps, I jumped five, these are all with bars from four laps. I jumped five twenty with a, using a five meter 13.6. Um, and then, from from five, I jumped five forty with a thirteen zero. From six, I jumped five uh, fifty five with a, tw a five ten twelve four. You said from six lefts. That was from six lefts. Yeah, five fifty five with a twelve point four. From seven five sixty two with a twelve point zero, and then um, it, which actually one time at Brit's Pub Vault I used a. <laughs> I used an 11.4 from seven laps and jumped 550. And then from, from full run, I never really did eight from full run from, from 18, from, from eight, nine laps. I, I jumped 568 with that 11.4. And then one time I jumped 560 with a 11.2. So, um, you know, can, can that's you... Just, just, those are, those are good, crazy pole numbers or whatever, but it, you know, it, you could also flip it on its head and be like, dude, you should have jumped higher from all of those runs uh, on all of those poles, but which, which is a fair argument, but I'm really just trying to, trying to um, point out the fact that um, what I, what I was able to do and what Jacob helped me to do and what, you know, my, uh, my next coach is a guy named Anthony Bertoli. And, and what those guys really encouraged me to do was just go, go crazy with what you're good at. And that's what I, that's what I want to tell, you know, young vaulters to do now. It's like, if you, whatever you're good at, whatever your strength is, like go as far as you can in that direction. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if you're, you know, if you're good at, if you can push a foot and a half 
you know, off the top of the pole, like try and put, push a foot in seven inches and try and push a foot in eight inches and then just keep going, you know? And, and, right. and I think that that's kind of, it's like it, though all of those numbers are just a, a testament to the, to the result of, of being like, okay, let's fully commit to this. Like, let's see, let's see yeah. how far we can go down this thing. I think that's why. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, hold on I, really quick, go for it. really quick before just, just because I know that like the kids at my uh, club would geek out on, uh, the numbers of that. So for those people who don't speak in flex points, um, is there any way that you can convert the, the length of the pole to, uh, and the weight of the pole instead of, you know, instead of, sure, five, yeah, 10, yeah, yeah. um, I can, I can just guesstimate. So, right. um, we only use flex numbers, but I will tell you that all, everything from four laps on, everything was about is weight rating is two five or higher. Um, and then from four laps, so from four laps, it was like a 16.5205. From five was probably a 16.5210. From six was probably a 16.9210. Uh, from seven, a 16.9215. And then from full run was probably a, a 16.9, either a 220 or 225, something like that. I don't know, I don't know hey. if they even keep going. I don't know if there are 225s. Like at some point, I think they just say, <laughs> why, why are we writing the weight rating on these things? But um, all of those poles were 16.5 or 16.9, so five meter or five ten mm. poles, and uh, everything over over 205 weight rating. And um, savage man, yeah, that's yeah, absolutely I mean, I've, savage. I've heard, like I've heard crazier things, you know. I mean, Hooker, Steve Hooker jumped eight from from eight steps from four laps, jumped on a five meter 12.8, which is you know even stiffer than what I what I jumped on and jumped 560. And um, that was a cool jump. I remember yeah, that, that was a really cool jump. You know what's funny about that? And th now I'm going to get off topic. We should do another question soon. But what's funny about that is Mondo just put a video of him jumping a 50 bar from from four lefts. And he was on like a 15-6 pole. But he's, he said he has some <laughs> – I asked him about that because I pick – like I said, I bother everybody. I, I'm not kidding. I, I, I bother everybody until they give me information. And so I asked him about that jump. And I'm like, dude, that was incredible. Like four lefts and 50. He's like, yeah, but I want to jump 61. I'm like, why? He's like, Hooker jumped 60. <laughs> I'm like, dude, this was like three weeks after he broke the world record, Mondo. And I'm like, dude, you just broke the world record, man. And he was like, I want, he said, I'll never forget this. He said, I want it all. <laughs> <laughs> I want it all. Hey, that that's dude. awesome. He's, he's yeah. a beast too. He's, he's go ahead, Josh. Savage. Um, I was going to say, let's, let's, I'm going to ask a question and try to segue into love the pole vault talk, but let's try to get to know Jeff Coover a little bit more. How you guys feel about that? Yeah. Yeah. Get to All know right. the Coov dog. So <laughs> so in um <laughs> feel free to you know, we Jake and I've said like pole vault's gonna be kind of the thread that runs through this podcast. And if it ends up getting back on that and we're talking flex numbers again here in a couple minutes, we'll try to <laughs> we'll try to regroup. Um give us a 30 second pitch. Try to keep it 30 seconds as to why everyone should move to Iowa. <laughs> oh, wow. That's an incredible question. Wow. That is an incredible question. I don't, you know, the thing is that I don't think, I don't know that everybody should move to Iowa. There are probably, <laughs> <laughs> there are probably people that shouldn't. If you, if you want to be part of the coolest, definitely the most fun and the, the, the best track culture I've ever been around and you're a high school or college kid, then you should come to Iowa to be at UNI because it's the best. But besides that, um, 
just things I love about Iowa. I love the people. They're amazing. Um, so supportive and friendly and, and, and kind and giving and caring and everything else. It's really true. It really is. That Minnesota nice thing, it, it extends down to Iowa for sure as well. I have a great friend group and all that. And then also, I mean, I own a house here and I'm a track coach. Like that's, that's pretty pretty good reason to live somewhere right for sure uh, so that's definitely one and then um it's a beautiful place and in in it's you know um you kind of get a little bit of everything here there's there's culture and there's a uh, university and and then it's like we're five minutes uh, like i live right next to a nature nature preserve where we can go and and uh you know hike and walk with our our daughter and our dog and 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 you can be in cornfields in no time as you know oh, so yeah Yep. A little bit of everything for everyone, for sure. Iowa, I love it here. I, like I said, I was like like you said, I'm, I was born in California, but love it, love it here in Iowa, and um, love the university, love the track team, love my my um, you know staff and administrators and all that. So I'm very very fortunate to be here. And then my wife works in in public health. She she's um, a business development coordinator for a health, uh, or sorry, a occupational health clinic. So, and she really likes what she does, except for right now when everything is just going right crazy in her world. But, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much why. Good place for kids, all that stuff. <laughs> Iowa. I I went on a visit to you. I one of my five official visits was to University of Northern Iowa, and yeah. I it was whenever Coach Case. Coach yep. Case was here, who was yep. there. Yep. Um, and, and that was, I, I really, really, and, and uh, there was that guy, oh man, I went, to, I went to Finland uh, with this guy, or I Yarno stayed with him. Yarno or Andre? Yarno, yeah, he Yarno was Pignola, like, yeah. awesome dude, yeah, and he showed me a really good time in, in Helsinki, and, and that, that was, they were, they were really cool, and, and like you said, they do have a very, very good culture there it seemed like yeah. um the day that i went it was it was cold and they were outside but they were still jumping like 540s oh yeah you know? we jumped man we i wish that was another i should have kept short run prs and then prs by temperature also <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i mean if it's if it's 45 or higher we're outside jumping for the most part in the fall and in the spring so i've definitely done yeah. full run full run like crazy sessions um in under 50 degree weather which you just get you just get used to doing it and do you think that's an advantage um sometimes because like i go back and forth like okay if you're from the midwest like you know it's like man i'm i'm tough i'm i'm out here training in the cold and this actually because you're from san diego so this is a good good way to kind of compare the two i always used to in my head be like you know like whenever i get to these meets and it's cold and everybody else is complaining about the cold i'm not it's not gonna bother me you know so have you ever found that as as a you know a superpower kind of being in the midwest and training out of the midwest dude for sure absolutely i mean i trained at the olympic training center for a couple years and that place the the wind comes out of the west every single day it was perfect tailwind every day and i couldn't jump very high i just couldn't yeah. And uh, came here and started jumping a lot higher. I think, I mean, we get crazy crosswinds and there's days where it starts to tailwind and finish the headwind. And obviously the highest bar I ever made in my life was 571 um, on the outdoor runway here right before the, right before USA's 17th. And um, it was about to be a thunderstorm, like crazy, one of those crazy thunderstorms. 
so you just kind of figure out how to, um, you know, deal with inclement weather and crazy conditions and, and, and not let it bother you. So I remember that day specifically, that's one of my favorite days of pole vaulting ever. Um, I was out there just me and Chelsea and me and my wife and she's not a pole vaulter or anything. And we weren't even married at the time. We were just dating. So she's just taking video and when I make bars, she, you know, she actually has a really good eye for pole vaulting. I shouldn't, I shouldn't dim- diminish that, but, um, right. you know, she's just, she's just a fan of, you know, my pole vaulting and, and, and has always been so supportive and amazing. And it was just me and her out there it will always be a really special day for me. And it started awesome. And it was, there was a tailwind and I made, I, I decided to put a bar up from full approach. And, and I think I made like 30 and 45 and 55 or 60 and I made that on a 12 and then I had to go and then the wind started picking up and I could tell there was a storm starting and I had to go to 11 seven. I was like, I'm going to put the bar at 71 and go to 11 seven and try and sneak over before this storm comes in. And it started getting really blustery. And so it was still a tail, but it was kind of crossed up. And I think I bailed once I took off and bailed. And then I like um, kind of halfway swung up at the bar and then it started to drizzle. And Chelsea was like, what do you want to do? And I was like, I want freaking one more. I just Hey, hey. One more jump, baby. I, it comes up Uno every mas. episode. Uno One mas. more jump. Let's go. <laughs> I knew it. It was, oh, God, that, was intro. that was not planned. But anyway, I was like, I want one more. And uh, I stood on the back of the runway. Awesome. And I remember that I took a tiny bit more grip. And I was like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to freaking do it. You know? Mm-hmm. And um, it was blustery. And the temperature started to drop. And there was raindrops started coming down. And uh, I ran down there and, and I made it. And on the way down, I screamed, F you. But for that, <laughs> I was yelling at the bar and the weather and the conditions and the whole situation. Yeah. Dang it, I thought we had our intro clip there. Until that yeah. <laughs> I, was, I think I remember just being like yelling that at like the whole situation, just being like, uh-huh. who cares? Like none of it matters. It doesn't, whatever. Yeah. F, every, F everything, you know, like I can, all right, pack the pulls up. Let's, let's go. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and I think that, that those sorts of sessions, like if it starts raining at the USA's or at the trials or that year, there was a little bit of it. I had a headwind on every jump that I took that year in 2017 in, in Sacramento. And I was just kind of, I, I ended up jumping like three bars and making them all in first attempts and then going out. But um, yeah, it's just like you learn that resilience and you, you learn to not freak out and to, to just kind of, keep going so right and i think we've all been in those meets where like uh you know you go you go to the meet like on you know in some warm weather place and and then it starts like the the weather turns or it's a little cold or something like that and then it's just like run through run through run through run through yeah, run through run through actually it's funny drake relays week just happened and in 16 in 16 at drake relays it was like i was super motivated um because there was a lot of money online <laughs> yeah uh, and I was like, not really working very much and whatever. But um, a lot of the other guys that were there, it started raining. It was 40, 46 or 48 degrees and like head cross head wind. And um, everybody was running through in warmups and, and unmotivated. And I was just like, dude, this is every day. This is just what I do, you mm-hmm. know, and right. uh, ended up, ended up getting third. And I only lost to Sam and Sean. And, and that was, that was kind of a cool day, but I remember everybody running through, running through, running through. I'm like, you don't have a plan for this. Like, no. yeah, you got to have a pole in there. You can grip down a little bit and kind of jog in there and find the feel, figure out how to get the tip in the box and go because yeah, right. this, this is, you would like, I, w- I remember watching all those guys and those, I respect them all. And they're all really good pole vaulters and they're, they're you know, whatever. But 
uh, I was like, <laughs> I remember thinking, and it might not have been true or anything. I'm like, you wouldn't make a training in Iowa, man. Like this, <laughs> this is no. <laughs> true, man. I see your videos and I'm, there's times where I'm just like, how in the world was he able to do that? I mean, just your any given Tuesday, it's just like, oh, there's a video of Jeff Coover vaulting like a 560 bar with snow in the shadows and the grass. And it's like, what in the that world? sounds like an urban legend, but I'm going to allow it. <laughs> I thought there was a twister in the background too on one of them. I swear I saw a tornado. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I may be making that up. <laughs> Let's segue into another question. Uh, what is Jeff doing during quarantine and how do you stay in shape and not lose your mental edge? Ooh. That's a good question. Yeah. Like I said, I try and have my hour a day where I do it. it sometimes ends up being more like 45 minutes depending on the baby's nap or whatever. But um, I'm, I'm fortunate to have a hill nearby and um, I have my weight room garage uh, garage weight room, I should say. And, um, every, our, our track is public. So every once in a while I can get out there and sprint a little bit. Um, and I try and go at times when luckily I haven't had any issues. Like there's been nobody out there. It's still open, but, um, there's been like almost nobody out there, which as is as long nice. as you're not slipping on the ice. Right. As long as yeah. I'm not slipping on the ice while there's a heat wave going on. Um, but, <laughs> Uh, you know, I just try and I, I try and do one. I, I, I keep it pretty, pretty normal. Um, whether I have to run hills or I can, or I can actually get to the track. Um, I try and, um, sprint or lift every day, one or the other. So I've, I've kind of pivoted the last couple of years into, um, either sprinting or lifting or jumping, but choosing one, um, each day. And then obviously plugging in rest days as well. Um, I, I have a kind of a unique style of training. I, I, don't run anything over 90 meters. That's the furthest that I go ever anymore. Uh, I do a lot of 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s, 60s, 80s uh, sprints. And then in the weight room, I just, you know, you see me, I go crazy. Mm. And I try and, go you know. Ham, baby. Just, it's just what I enjoy doing. So Throw some deep, numbers out there. Throw some numbers. Squat. Throw <laughs> some numbers out there. too crazy, man. Like I've squatted 350, but I, I you know, I squat on like – some may say ass to ankles. I don't know. Am I allowed to say that? Oh, uh, yeah. You're he going. Did it. I thought it was a word to grass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that too. <laughs> as, um, as, as deep as I can go. And then, um, you know, I've cleaned uh, 140 kilos, which is three something. And then uh, I've snatched. Gosh, from the floor? From the from floor. From the floor? You cleaned. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Three, I don't know what it is. 140 kilos is the best. Actually, I cleaned. I cleaned, actually, I cleaned 300, uh, like two weeks ago. So that was actually really good. For and then I've snatched, dad strength. Yeah, it is. And then I've snatched a hundred, 110 kilos. So, which is two four two forty five from the floor <laughs> uh, also. And I snatched a hundred kilos like 10 days ago. So yeah, um, that's, that's crazy. Unwavering that. strength. Yeah. yeah I feel like you're like doing a good job maintaining like your status as like a cool dad. Like, oh, man. like I mean, you can pull vault, you know, 550. You got a dad PR of 552. You're snatching this. You're cleaning this. You're, you know, like the other day, I feel like I'm slowly slipping into like, turn into like a donkey dad or something. Don't do, that. Like, don't do that to yourself. I, I don't know, man. I, I like, I was mowing the lawn the other day and yesterday and like 
there's this teenage girl walking by with her uh, AirPods and, you know, just walks by and I say hi to everybody, not being creepy or anything. All I just, all I said was, you know, Hey, how's it going? And she looked at me like I was just the, he like, don't look at me, you donkey dad. What are you saying? What are you saying hi to me for? You why don't you go keep on mowing your lawn, donkey dad? <laughs> Loser. <laughs> I, it might it might be because I had on uh, running shorts and uh, barefoot shoes. Yeah, that might have. I was gonna say maybe he also had a Lacroix and his AirPods in, dancing around <laughs> a little bit like he usually is. Maybe that might have had something to do with it. <laughs> I was like, I was like, dude, all I, all I said was hi. All I, legitimately, all I said, Hey, how's it going? And then just turn my mower around and going on back. And so you're saying know. if you were in your garage with the garage door open, you know, banging weights around, banging three, putting two 50 or 70 or whatever the you said over neighbors my would, The neighbors 100%. would probably end up making their way to your, your driveway and trying to spark a conversation. I, my garage gym, like I, I, I clean and snatch facing out like toward the garage door. And I, I usually try and keep the garage door open because it's just mm-hmm. you know, like a little airflow or whatever. It looks perfectly up my driveway into my neighbor across the street <laughs> living room. And, and she does the same thing. She leaves the door open and I'm always like, man, she's just standing there like watching, like right straight yeah, down. Just staring. Like, it's a way for you to cool. establish dominance in your neighborhood. <laughs> you know what's funny? I have a neighbor. I have my neighbor, Jay, who's amazing. And he's, they have a, like a nine-year-old boy. And um, I put my garage gym in and, and I was doing this squattober thing, right? So I was squatting every single day. And they, there, was a, there was this company that was making a plan for, it was just for fun. My, my daughter had just been born. I wasn't really training um, yet for the year. So I just was going to squat every day and see if I could get my max up a little bit. And that's actually when I, at the end of that is when I squatted 350, and which I, I could have done more. But um, the, the max day, I made the mistake of, t- I had done the whole 30 days and then with nobody there just by myself in my garage and there were some sketchy like heavy triples and quads and stuff that were pretty hard and and i made the mistake my max day of telling telling chelsea telling my wife beforehand like oh man i'm really excited like today's max day in the squat and she's like okay who's coming to spot you and i'm like no nah, i can bail like it's not a big deal if i miss it i can and she's like, absolutely not. Like, I will not let you go out there and squat by yourself. I just won't let you do it if you're gonna if you're gonna max out. And I was like, oh my gosh. So I had to I had to ask my neighbor Jay, who had never been. We're we're buddies, but he we, we don't live together or anything. But I was like, hey man, like, I'm, doing this, like, I'm doing this like squat max thing. Like, can you just come over so that Chelsea will let me do it? You don't really have to do anything. Like, I'll let you know when there's like 300 on the bar, and I was gonna go like 300, 330, and I was actually gonna be done at 330 because 310 was my PR and I was going to be done at 3:30. And so I did um so I call him over and he came in the garage and there was 300 on the bar and he looked at he just looked at the bar and he goes um he's like are you going to do that? And I'm like yeah. He's like <laughs> he goes that could kill you man. And I'm like oh that's, that's exactly the mentality that I want out of my spotter going a little the, confidence the right before you you take it down. So, so did then, he did he have to get up like get in there, you know, he actually, he actually didn't, he stood behind me. Um, he's not even like in the video. Like it, it was not, like, if it went bad, it was going to go just as bad as it would have. Right. Maybe even myself. worse. But honestly it helps because I made 300 and he was like, Hey, that didn't look that bad. Like that wasn't scary. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then I put 330 on and, and I made it and, and it was pretty easy. 
uh, it was pretty easy, but I was like, you know, that's, that's good. Like I got my PR, I'm a dad, like this is, mm-hmm. that's good. And, and I turned around, I, I, I got out of, from under the bar and I turned around and he's like, you gotta put more on. And I was like, oh hell yeah. This I like is- Jay. <laughs> I like Jay, man. I, I want now Jay with me in the weight room, man. <laughs> he's like, dude, that was too easy, man. Like he had witnessed one previously, he had only ever witnessed one max looking rep in the squad in his life and it was the 300 that i had done five minutes before (laughs) you had had no idea what you were trying to based on my experience you need to put more weight on the bar and keep going so and then i was like dude thanks for making me do that that was great so i thought you were gonna say that you were gonna have to like show him how to get up in there and and get (laughs) get under you and stuff i told him i was like dude if it starts like looking like it's gonna go bad i need like Push me in the back of the head that way <laughs> and get yeah. out of the way. That Dude, is hilarious. That's hilarious. I see, I could picture you just like, I mean, if I was throwing weight around like that in my garage, and I mean, I would be slamming that down too. You got bumpers, right? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, what I would do is I would just wait until somebody was walking by on the sidewalk, snatch mm-hmm. that 250 or whatever over my head, slam it on the ground and just point at them to yeah. be like, hey, just so you understand, I am in charge around here. Okay. <laughs> whenever, whenever people walk on the sidewalk, the hair kind of stands up on the back of their neck just because they know Jake lives in, the, in there. Their kids walk by and their parents tell them to close their eyes. <laughs> Hey, close your eyes. Close your eyes, kids. Go, go fast, fast. Quick, fast, quick. Fast. We need to get past this house as quick as possible because we're just not sure what's going to happen. <laughs> Dude, I love it, man. I've got it's a- not perfect. You know, my garage is like not perfect setup and, and, my, and the, where I pull vault the South Runway and, and you and I and, and all of it's not perfect. And, and I think that's kind of what I, the situation that I embrace the most and getting away from pole vaulting and training and, and, and jumping, I, um, you know, we all have an affinity for music and probably my, my, one of my favorite musicians, or maybe my favorite is Jack White from the White Stripes. And oh, he, uh, they had a, they had a documentary and they were, he was explaining their stage setup. And this, this really applies to, to how I approach life and training and everything. And he was saying, you know, if I'm playing, a, he has a, you know, a, a keyboard by the, um, by the drum set. And then he has an organ over by, um, the front of the stage. And he was saying, you know, if I have a song, the way I set up the stage, stage, he said, if I have a song where I want to be playing the keyboard and then I want to switch and play the, the organ and, um, and you know, the time between those two is about the time it, it, it takes me to go about three steps. Um, then I put the organ four steps away. Right. He's like, right. I, you know, I, I just want it to not quite work. Like I want it yep. to be harder yep. than it needs to be um, to mm-hmm. cre- to give me that, that challenge and that, that, that feeling of like, I have something I need to overcome here. And, um, kind of that grind mentality of just like, you know, I I could put the organ three steps away and I have three steps worth of time to get there, but instead I'm going to put it a little too far so that it's not perfect. So that I gotta, I gotta, I love that. I love that. That's, That's that's what I think. Like I said, whenever I think of Jeff Coover, it's like the dude who, who vaults high, but he vaults high in some pretty, interesting ways man this iowa the crosswinds the 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 craziness of that um i go for it jake i was gonna say before because i had no idea that you were a jack white fan yeah the documentary that you're talking about is what was it like great white northern lights Lights. yeah yeah and makes that guitar yeah Yeah. at the beginning he makes that guitar 
I mean, he's, he's outstanding. He, and he was talking about how it's like, like, and he's, he's performing, like you were saying in front of these thousands and thousands of people. And he like, they don't even know that he's doing that. Like he's doing that is just for him. It's because it's almost like a, an athletic performance as much as it is like a musical performance and like, and like a, a test of his brain and a test of his, you know, ability to remember and to move. And it's like a whole performance that he's doing for himself that nobody even knows about watching the normal performance. Yeah. yeah. They're fascinating. No set list and, and really old, cheap, kind of crappy guitars and yeah. uh, old amps that, you know, he's, he self admits like these, everything might break halfway through the set, you know, yep. and then right. and we figure it out. Then I got to play all the songs on the organ or I got to play all the songs on the piano or I'll just sing and she'll just play drums. Like that's kind of the, that's kind of always been how I've tried to approach pole vaulting and training in life is just like, let's, let's just kind of make it Im- imperfect and be fine with it and just go from there. So are you more a fan of the White Stripes or Jack White? You know, because like he, now he's like solo, like... I like them both. Um, I like them both, for sure. And I, I would say that the, the White Stripes records are always definitely the ones that have intrigued me the most, you know? Like, those are the records that I can go back and listen to over and over and over again and kind of hear something new every time. Right. Just like... um you know, you, you, I can learn something from those, from those records of, you know, the Distille album and the Elephant album and the self-titled, like those, those, those albums are just, there's just so much in them and, and there's only two people, you know? And so yeah. that's, that's kind of how it's, you know, and, and I love that. I love the simplicity. I like analog things and mechanical things and things that are very simple, but are, are complex in their simplicity. And I think that's why the style of training that I use works is because, you know, like I, I, I don't know how many times I've gone out and run four sets of 10, 20, 30 in my career. I did it yesterday. Um, so many times. And yeah. every single say, say it again. What is, what is that? Four sets of, 10, a 10 run, a 10 meter run, a 20 meter run, a 30 meter run. So just an accelerate ba- basic acceleration session with no pull or anything, just um, from a stop from, from like a, from a hanging star. And I always take data on everything I have. I have like timers and stuff, but um, I've done that particular workout probably at least once a week um, for the last six or eight years. Mm-hmm, and right. And every time that I go out and do it, I, I learn something and I, and I, and I try and do something different and I try and do something new. And, and I think that's kind of just like, you know, that's, you know, it's, I don't know if that's very, if that's similar to what we're talking about with the white stripes, but I, I, I feel in my, in my core, I feel like it is, I feel like it's, it's that ability to, to have, you know, a complexity um, around simplicity. That makes so you, that. you had mentioned the, like the simplicity of it. So, moving on we were talking about this before the podcast we you know so i think there has to be a balance obviously we're you know technology is going insane right now so so there are some things like even you had mentioned and josh would agree with this that like our training since we were like younger has has changed so much man like we used to do things back in the day that we would never think about doing now and then 
so how do you blend those two things? And specifically, we were talking about our self-quantification devices here. So I've got my aura ring right here. And then <laughs> Jeff's strap. got his whoop strap, which I've, I've messed around with the whoop strap. Um, the and then Josh has got the Garmin, you know, he's more, he's doing his, his distance stuff. So the heart rate's important on that. But so how do you integrate something like the whoop strap into that, like simple stuff without getting overrun by the numbers and the not letting the data drive you nuts? Yeah, that's a super good question. Cause I, I really have both things. Like I, like I said, I, I put laser timers on my runs every single time I go to the track and run. Like I don't do, I, I almost don't do any, any sprints or runs anymore without having them timed by a fully automatic system. Um, I have one that's really easy to set up and, and easy to use um, made by a company called arena gear that they're kind of really just now trying to do some track and field stuff. And it's, it's really good and, and simple and, and I love it. Um, and I also have the whoop strap, which um, gives a, a ton of data. Um, and I kind of, I kind of use all of that data more as a. I try not to let it like drive too much of what I do, um, and I instead more use it as a screening tool. Which I guess you can kind of say they're one and the same. But the thing that I like the best about the whoop strap is the heart rate variability data. Um, so when you're when you're asleep, it basically. Um, to put it simply, uh, it, it measures how much your uh, the the your heart rate changes from beat to beat during your last sleep cycle, basically. So what you what you don't want is as you breathe in and out, your heart rate to be going very rhythmic. Um, you don't really want that. If you want your parasympathetic nervous system to be firing on all cylinders, um, you want a little bit of, of variability, and so you want that when you take a, a nice big breath in, uh, everything slows down. And when you, you, sorry, everything speeds up. And then when you breathe out, your heart rate slows down a little bit. So you want a little bit of that. Interesting. And that's, yeah, that, that shows like, it's like, uh, it's like you're, you're, whenever you're a person and you're, you're, you're loose and you feel right. good, like you're just right. like, nah, you know, whatever, whatever. But when you're stressed out, you're like, Boom, boom, boom. Like you're really yeah. like robotic. Like, and so like if your heart is under a lot of stress, like if you're sick or you you're overtrained, then you, right. your heart is like on survival mode. Like, okay, right. we have to do this every beat, you know, at the exact right time. But when right. you're not stressed, it's like loosey goosey, like I'll beat now. Yeah. Uh, I'll beat now. And it it responds to the you know changes in blood oxygen and all that. So basically it's a, it's the heart rate variability is a uh, indicator of your nervous system's readiness to do something demanding. So what I've found, um, which is the cool thing about the whoop strap, what I've, what I've learned more than anything is, is that, um, times when I, based on my theory and my training theory and the, 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 you know, the things that I've learned from my mentors and from my coaches, you know, a guy named Dan Path has helped with my training for many, 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 many years and has guided me toward the system that I use. Um, and, um, based on everything that I've learned and known, um, when I put the whoop strap on, it basically confirmed everything. That's, that's kind of the best that I could say. Like when I go to, if I, let's say I do a jump session and then, and, and general strength. And then the next day I do an acceleration session and a lift the expectation is that I'm going to be pretty smoked after those two days. And if I wake up on that, when I wake up on that third day and I look at my sleep data, it's like, dude, your nervous system is pretty shot time for a recovery day. So the whoop has, has been a really good confirmation 
type of um, marker for me, I guess. Um, and it's it's pretty much like um, just showing me that the things that I'm that I'm expecting are happening are probably happening. The interesting part has been um, for me alcohol. So I I haven't had any alcohol for a really long time um, since getting the whoop because I realized that that was just having a beer or two in the evenings um, was totally ruining my sleep. And my even if I had two rest days, if I had two beers before bed, um, uh, my heart rate variability would, would just yeah. be shot and my nervous system was shot. I see similar so. things on my, my aura ring. Like if I were to have, you know, an alcoholic drink at night, um, also with, with my heart rate, like it, mm-hmm. it'll be, yeah. it, it won't drop until like two or three in the morning. You yeah. Know? You're, and you're then just trying to metabolize that alcohol for sure. Yeah. You're processing that. And then, and then that obviously is going to really affect your sleep, which in turn really affects your, you know, Recovery. whenever I got to wake up and mow the lawn. Because yeah. I need to be ready to go to you be able to mow the lawn. You know, similar to you doing your power cleans and yeah, pretty like much that. S- same you exact know. thing. Um, I've got a I've got another question to try to veer us in another direction around. You know, I guess your life in general. If your life was a book, what would its title be? Mm. Wow, that's that's uh, deep. That means that's a couple words to just basically sum up the story of Jeff Coover. Man, I don't know. Um, gosh, that, I, I wish I would have had some. I know. I'm sorry. On one. I, I, Coob I dog, maybe? Coob dog. Something with <laughs> no. Coob dog in it. D-A-W-G. D-A-W-G dog. I don't know. I, I, I would say something like living and learning or. Mm, that's um, a good one something like that. That's just always been my thing. It's just like my, my two things that have been consistent through my whole life, especially since, you know, I've been in, in college and graduated, have been trying to um, live as much as I can. So when I was pole vaulting, I was trying to travel as much as I could and, and jump and is, you know, never say like my agent would basically be like, Hey, I got a meet in it. And I'd be like, yeah, get the flight. Like, let's go, let's do it. So, and then whenever I was around people that I, you know, that I could learn from. I was just picking their brains and trying to learn as much as I could. And I continue to do that. I have phone calls with my, with Dan, my mentor, my coaching mentor all the time. And, and it's just an hour of me asking questions. Um, so let's go with that. that I like that's that. the first thing to me. Living and learning with Coove. There we go. <laughs> Coove, man. Coove um, another one. If you, do you mind if I, just because there were so many that came in, I feel like we go should rifle it. through some of these. Um, what job would you be terrible at? uh anything like type a like being an accountant or something um yeah i'm just that's just would be really difficult are you the guy who's got to get up and you know from his desk and go walk around a little bit say hi to some people have some conversations yes that's why this is so good for me because i can you know my my boss dave paulson here at you and i'm our head coach is amazing at letting me go and train a little bit during the day and and i need that it's it's that's what keeps me sane for sure Sorry to Dave Paulson, but the next question is, what's the biggest complaint about your job? <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Paulson, I'm it, sorry. It would, it would certainly never have anything to do with Dave Paulson. That's for sure. That would be the biggest, the, you know, the biggest um, joy. You can relate it to NCAA. You can relate it to anything, you know. Biggest complaint at my job? Um, 
not having an out uh, a track season maybe not having a track season right now is high on the list um i would i would just say um oh man the hardest part i wouldn't i wouldn't say this is a complaint because i love everything about my job i love being a track coach it's really amazing the hardest part is just having to travel and be away from my family and we we're, we're really lucky to not have to do it a ton um we stay pretty regional and all that but that's definitely the most difficult part is um having to having to travel and be away a few weekends out of the year even just a, a couple weekends out of the year so for sure um see that couple more all-time favorite movie uh, Pulp Fiction. Oh, baby. That's a mm. good one, man. That you is got a, a favorite scene? Man, they're all perfect. Um, I know. They are really good. I'm trying to pick a, I'm trying to, uh, I could try and pick like a, a non famous one. Um, I think probably the one that sticks out always to me when I think about that film is when, is when, they're in the the diner, the the fifties mm-hmm. diner. Yeah, not necessarily the overdose scene, but before <laughs> that, where they're you know he he's just supposed to be taking taking her out, you know the, his his boss, his wife basically, so that she's not holed up at home and, and bored, and he's just supposed to be just supposed to be taking her to get dinner, and he's all stressed because you know he thinks that his boss killed the last guy that tried to do this, and and. Um, where he's where they're sitting at dinner and trying to kind of figure out what each other are all about. I think that's probably that conversation in that scene, which is very Quentin Tarantino esque. You know, that's it's it's just For good, sure. good kind really of like good. American c- cinematography to me. And um, that that whole scene, I think, is where they're sitting in the booth. You know, in the and they they t- they make their orders and they get the five dollar milkshake and. Yeah. You know, she goes off to powder her nose, as she says. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. And then, and and then just, they, they, the dance scene too. I love yeah, the dance scene. And, and yeah. And he's just so cool, you know? And is, uh, man. yeah, I think that's probably my favorite. That's sweet. Yeah. So this last question, um, I think we'll give you, give you enough to talk about to kind of segue into the, the final parts of this. Um, what lessons have pole vaulting taught you and and how is that translating to your life and your future oh gosh i think pole vaulting has taught me like every lesson that i've probably learned in my life for the most part um i mean in one way or another it's like i've learned first and foremost how to apply myself completely to something and um get something out of it I think that's that's kind of the obviously the first thing is just um, how to how to follow my my dreams and my passions and and leave nothing on the table and the results of that being um, that I would I, I really still don't feel like I was you know I would you know I could have been a better pole vaulter I could have pole vaulted higher I could have jumped you know whatever I could have you know accomplished more or whatever but I don't know that I could have tried any harder so. Um, and, and I had amazing experiences along the way and got to travel a ton and learn a lot, learn a lot and meet a lot of really cool people. And it gave me so much. And, um, you know, that, that's number one. And then, and number two is just, um, what, how, how to, 
how to prioritize things in your life, you know, and um, how to have balance, I guess I should say, how to have balance. Cause you know, I met my, my wife um, just through a friend and which had almost nothing to do with track and field. Uh, actually the, my friend was a track guy, but he was dating a girl at the time that he just kind of knew somehow. And then her friend was Chelsea and um, Chelsea has nothing to do with track or anything. And so it's always been that um, our relationship is, you know, started, outside of the track and field world. And I kind of brought her into it, but I learned balance in, um, in that through that relationship and, and how to not, um, you know, sacrifice our relationship for being at the track more than I needed to be. So, um, you know, I definitely made mistakes in the past of spending too much time on the road, traveling and competing, or, um, you know, just being, being out and training on days that I didn't need to and stuff like that. And I, I think I learned that um, some things in life are, are a lot more important than going out and, and, you know, running or whatever. So I uh, learned That's balance. Powerful. That's pretty yeah. powerful, man. That, that is, was really, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I, yeah. I think that's something that these kids, but almost more these elites uh, it's a good lesson. You yeah. know, it's not the end of the world, man. It's not the end of the world. And, and I, uh, that, that balance piece is really probably the most difficult part of the whole thing. Yeah. And I think it's the most important I'm having, I mean, I still think I can jump high. Like I, I, you know, I still have all my markers are really good and my physical markers and everything like that, even with the style of training that me and Dan have kind of figured out is the best way um, for me right now. Um, all my speed data is like really, really good and strength numbers are good and all that. And, 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 and I've done that with a little bit more life, a lot more life balance than I had in 2015, 2016, when I was, you know, really, you know, trying to just go crazy. Um, and uh, it's a lot more fun now. It's a lot, it's a lot more fun. I'm enjoying, <clears throat> I mean, I enjoyed it back then. I enjoyed training and competing and all that, but I felt a lot more pressure, you know, because I was putting so much into it. And, um, and now it's like, I'm, I've never enjoyed my life more than I'm enjoying it right now. And, um, I think that's because of that coming, coming around and, and learning that balance. So that's Good sweet. You, man. Well, we super, super appreciate you coming on here. I learned a lot. I'm sure Jake learned a lot. Jeff Coover's the guy that, you know, when you walk, when you walk in front of his house and he's, he's squatting 350, <laughs> the, the, the hair stands up on the back of the back of the neck. He's one of those guys, but in all honesty, you're always somebody that, um, I know you came up here in Minnesota and met up for a meet. Um, Dude, you know, what's funny. I wanted to actually tell that story. So go for it. Let's get it. Uh, right? Well, Dude, wait, was- let, let me, let me share one little thing about that. I was planning on jumping that day. If I could get on, yes, I know. But if I could get on the big, the smallest pole in your bag, and unfortunately, oh, it was the gosh, biggest pole I'd ever been on. <laughs> and I, uh, I had taken about a year and a half off vaulting. So then I went into that shed and grabbed like a 12-foot pole and vaulted from like one or two lefts or something. I don't know. Go for it. Sorry. I just figured I'd share that. <laughs> it's funny because that was, you know, I, first of all, I have the, um, the fortune to have jumped with all three Winer brothers, which I, I love that so much. Like That's cool. You know, I came cool. up with Jake and then I jumped a little bit with Josh and then, and then now I'm, I've done a bunch of meets with Luke. So it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I've just, just been jumping for a long time, but you guys have always been around. It's, it's the best thing, but it's funny that that Minnesota meet was like one, another one of my, like strangely one of my favorite meets that I think about all the time that I, I really loved. And it's because 
so like if you rewind like two weeks before that was this session in the rain where I jumped 71 mm -hmm. and um so then I'm like I'm ready to freaking go and I went to Sacramento and and I, I thought I was going to make that world team and um I, I just didn't, you know, I got a bunch of headwinds and it was, it was, it was difficult. And I kind of got stuck between poles and I, you know, I made 50 or 55 on a first and then, um, okay. So I don't remember what I made. Do you remember what I made in Minnesota? I think it was 55, 56. It was a, it was, it was a good jump. Yeah. It was 55 or 56 or something so, on so a high school think, runway. Right. So I think I jumped 55 at USA's on a first attempt and, um, and then, I, and I didn't make the next bar and, I came home on Monday. So I think we jumped on Sunday, Saturday or Sunday. I came home on Monday. I flew home on Monday because that was the cheapest flight and um, got home late. And then, and then Tuesday I kind of sat around the house and then somebody was like, somebody told me about this meet in, in Minnesota on Wednesday. And um, it was at some high school. And I was like, man, I just freaking want to jump. Like I was pissed about USA's cause I was in good shape and I didn't feel like I did very well. And I was like, and I had been pushing big poles and high grips and, and just kind of trying to maximize everything. And I was like, I'm just going to go, I just want to go pole vault. And I told Chelsea and she was working full time either. It's yeah. I think she was just, just newly full time at the job that she has now. And um, I told Chelsea, I was like, I think I'm going to go up there tomorrow and just jump at this all comers meet and she's like i'm coming with you i'm like really okay cool so i reached out to josh and i was like do you know anything about this setup he said i think it's okay and i emailed the meet director and he was like yeah i don't know about jumping 18 feet but maybe it'll be okay and <laughs> and so um but i was like screw it like if i have to jump from shore and i'll do that so then i showed up it's actually a really cool setup there it is but <clears throat> it was just a low super low-key little all comers meet in minnesota josh jumped from like two two laps or something it was fun and um I remember that I was like, I'm just going to make bars. I'm gonna, I was going to hold low on small poles and um, I made a couple heights and I was feeling good. And then I jumped one centimeter higher than I jumped at USA's. I remember mm -hmm. I was like, I'm going to just try and jump. So I jumped 56 cause it, and, and on a, on a 12 on a 12 And then I went and tried to jump 65 on an 11 seven and it was close. And it was like dusk at a, at a high school, you know, it was just me, you, Josh, me, you, and, and Chelsea. And for that those are the only people that I knew there. And at a high school meet at dusk, um, in Minnesota on a Wednesday. And another, I was just like, another one of those things that people don't understand what they witness. Like to me, I, I walked away from that. And I remember texting Jake and Luke and my dad, a couple pictures I had taken of you. And I was just like, those are great pictures. this was unreal. Jeff Coover just rolled up and vaulted 556 and had shots at 565 like on a high school runway getting off traveling and and i was i just can't really put into words how impressive that was because people don't understand the the amount of commitment it takes to to hop in a car and drive two hours and warm up and throw it up that high and vault on these big sticks it's just like all these 13 year olds like you know, clapping, clapping down the runway, not really realizing how impressive that actually is. That was, I remember getting that and be, getting that text and looking at the video and being like, dude, that solidifies my position as a donkey dad. Oh my. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just remember being, I just remember being on the back of the runway at 565 with 11.7 on my hand. And I was like, I, this is a high school. Like, yeah, that's why crazy. am I, why First am I at a high school? How amazing of a high school is that though? That really is like the a, best a, high school setup in all of Minnesota. Yeah, it was, 
it was a it was a truly it's like a 200 foot vault runway (laughs) yeah dude it was so long like i was worried about the length of the runway and josh was like dude don't worry about that this place is unbelievable we rolled in and drove past like six soccer fields i was like what is this it's the it's the bees what is it it comes to it's east ridge uh east ridge high school in woodbury minnesota um shout out out to that coach too i i rolled up and i I remember I grabbed Jeff's like, yeah, you know, I got, you know, I think it was like a, a 15, six or, or 16, like 200 as like my warm up pole. If you want to vault on that. And I was like, yeah, no, let's throw that back in the bag. And I, I went up to the, to the official. I was just like, Hey, you know, you look like you're the coach here. Cause your, your polo says East Ridge, you got anything for me? And he took me in the back of that shed and had, I don't know, like a 13, six pole, but I speaking of the love, like, you know, love and pole vaulting and being around it. I just wanted to vault just like you did that day. I was just like, you know what? Screw it. Give me that pole. I'll vault from like two or three lefts vault, like 12 or 13 feet and just, just get out of here, you know, have a good time. Yeah. That was a really, really fun day. I was like, that one will always stay with me for some reason. Beautiful it's night too. That was that, perfect evening. It's like 80 degrees. It was just oh, like, man, maybe that's great. I mean, who knows, man, they, they're still holding out on these, um, some of these USATF meets in Minnesota. I saw one on the calendar still. That's one of the ones in later July. I don't know if they're trying to hold out. And- yeah. Are you going to be able to jump this year or what's going on? Are Nobody like, really knows. Um, I mean, it's just like anything else. Nobody really knows. Um, I, I, sorry. I called USATF the other day and just like, kind of was like, Hey, are you guys like sanctioning meets this summer? Like, can, can we get a sanction, you know, or, or what? And they were like, yeah, like as of now, I, you know, I like, they're going to provide insurance to clubs still, which is good um, during this time. But then the sanctioning was kind of like, well, well, we don't really know and blah, blah, blah. And cause like for a lot of people, it would be really, really nice to, if they are like so rumor has it and i'm sure you probably have more insider information than me but rumor has it that like supposedly maybe they're going to try to push a u.s championships into like september or something like that and then but the problem is is like is that going to be like an invite only or is that like or are you going to have meets starting in july or or what no idea. Nobody really knows. Nobody has any answers. My, my intuition, my, my gut says that they probably will just not do it, but um, right. yeah, nope. There's definitely not any information getting passed around publicly to us, but um, yeah, yeah, it stinks, man. It's really tough um, because, you know, I don't know. It, it, we do pole vault for the love of pole vaulting for sure. And any, this is, this goes across all sports, you know, we do it because we love to do it, but man, it would just me speaking personally, it would be hard for me to continue to have that fire if I don't have like, cause I'm like a, I like to have periodized training leading up to something, you know? And like, so like, so like for me right now, I'd be like, okay, so am I like in what phase am I in? You know, like, am I, do I need to be ready to jump in two weeks or do I need to be doing base training stuff for September? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm. Uh, for me, right? I mean, my my training is just not that much different as throughout the year. So it's pretty pretty easy for me. I just am trying to get a little bit faster and get a little bit stronger. Just stay um, in shape. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I I don't I don't really know. But I I'm like motivated by just going and 
training or just going and jumping, you know, like if they open up like, okay, you guys can go out and, and pole vault, like that motivates me enough. Like just go out and, and, you know, have somebody come out there with me and take video and, and hang out and have For me. For sure, man. As well, you got to, we talked about it. You got to come through the club, man. This Dude, is the only issue I'm though. Coming. Well, this is the issue is, so I actually have wanted to have somebody like Luke, Luke tests the limits. Sometimes he jumps at North central, but then he jumps at the club. Sometimes, um, we have 120 feet of runway backed up to the window. So obviously you're not gonna be able to run your full, but we have a 23 foot clearance height. Perfect. Well, I don't know. Is it? (laughs) I don't know either. Find out. You know what I'm saying? Like how high can somebody jump with a 23 foot clearance height? Like I, we, we put it up to 19 and we were like, like we put the bar up to 19 and we were like, I don't know. Well, dude, I'm not jumping 19 feet from a hundred. Well, I'm just saying, I'm saying <laughs> like, cause like my end game is to be able to get it to where, like, f- as far as my club goes, like my end game is to get it to where we can house, you know, some sort of elite development program, you know, like where, where we can have a facility that, you know, athletes can come and we can coach them. And not only can they, can we coach them and help them to, you know, get to that next level in elite pole vaulting, but then also provide them some sort of employment, you know, coaching our kids and making money. And, you know, because that's a super hard thing to do at post collegiately is, is to make money, you know, so you come, you have a place to train, you can make money, you know, we're located in an area in Chicagoland that, you know, is, it would be really easy to get a part-time job. Um, and I just feel like it would be a good bait home base for some elite pole vaulters. Um, but the issue is just like, I want them to be able to run their full approach, which women would be totally fine. I think, uh, with 120 feet, maybe, I don't know. And then the clearance height wouldn't be an issue, but then for the men, it's like Mondo's getting hung up in those bad boys. Like yeah, Mondo's it, getting hung up yeah, in the rafters. For sure. Uh, what? Wait, is the runway a foot off the ground? No, it's it's like this high off the ground, maybe okay, like four, four inches off the ground. We had to we had to cut the box. We had to cut a hole for the box. Okay, cool, dude. You're fine. I think you could jump. I think. I mean, think about those. Think about the bar clearance camps. You know, like how high are their bodies really above the bar? Hold True. on, the bar clearance. The what? Oh, the bar clearance cams. Yeah, you're like, cameras. You know when you're like looking down the, the crossbar and you're watching somebody go over it um, on replay, it's like their 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 body that their the you know, the highest point their body ever goes is not it is not a foot over the highest bar they clear. That's true. You know what I mean? Right. I, I guess I like with the five sixty, five seventy at least bar let's just say 580 so we can entice some people to come train Dude, i i think that if you have 23 feet and the runway is only four feet off the ground or four inches off the ground i think that you could jump 90 feet and be comfortable yeah that's what i would hope i think you know and event like this is not our end game like this facility is not our end our end game eventually i want to you know get a place where we can have an indoor and an outdoor runway but you know that takes time and and right now you know we're just fighting as a small business owner, just grinding, fighting, trying to, you know, get through this time, you know, but I'm always, you know, thinking ahead and things like that. But anyway, so I would, I think it would be interesting to get some elite vaulters over there, you know, like you and Luke and, and, and be like, Hey, let's see if you guys can go seven or I don't know what you could go with 120, 
and a step back. I don't know, six, yeah, seven. I don't really and do then, 16, so yeah, it would be 14. It would be seven laps, but I would come do it for sure. And, you know, and just max it out, it, max it out rise. You know, you're not going that fast up there. You're just going to bump it a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> feet get hung up and bad. drop down into the box not a big well, deal that's not ideal. <laughs> let's not talk about that <laughs> oh, well man. all right let's wrap it up jeff yeah Coover, we could talk forever um i know this this might be our longest one but jeff coover thank you so much for coming on um super super grateful to have another um you know, elite mindset on here to, to take us through your life, take us through your training, um, give us some, some optimistic outlook on, on, you know, being a dad, a, a family man and still being able to train. Um, thanks again, Jake, do you have anything to, anything to add? No, I, you're an awesome dude. You're, you're an awesome dude. Uh, you've always been an awesome dude. And, uh, at the end of the day, I think that's why people like you, man, is, is you're cool. You're fun to talk to. You're insightful. You're smart. Is there anything that you want to say to people? Definitely meant to say this earlier, but thank you guys for doing this podcast in general. First of all, I mean, it's, it's, you know, we need more content like this, I think. And, um, you guys are, are good voices for it for sure. Um, and I know you're going to get a bunch of cool guests and everyone's going to get fired up on this. The other thing that I didn't mention, if anyone's still listening, is that Jake did beat me at that USA Indoors that we keep referencing in 2013. Oh, yes. So Maybe I think I'm that, not as big of a donkey dad as I thought. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was important information that didn't, didn't get out there. We both jumped 55, but I had misses and he was squeaky clean. So That was cool, that, man. That was a fun, fun meet. But yeah, of course. You got second and I got third, I think, right? Yeah, and then Jordan, uh, Jordan did like went over sideways, <laughs> went over sideways over 560. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding? I was in the lead too. I was in the lead and I, I mean, I love oh, he Jordan. made it on He's, the third, huh? He made it on the third jump and my wife comes down to the stands and was like, I think you're in second. And I was like, holy cow, this is his last attempt. And then he like went over completely sideways I, I, and yeah, banged the bar and it stayed up. I love Jordan. He's an awesome yeah. dude, but I was like, oh no yeah, but he got to win it and you know he it was he earned it he, he i didn't even care i was like i can't believe i just got second at this thing <laughs> well just like jeff coover to end it on a humble note um letting jake get his 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 victory and um i appreciate you jeff um we'll uh we'll wrap it up though we got episode four of the one more jump podcast with jeff coover and that's the wrap